In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Welcome to Be Fulfilled, the real stories behind success. This is episode number 28. My name is Tony Grubmeyer, and today's guest is an entrepreneur and an expert in remote hiring and e-commerce. He is the co-founder and CEO of FreeUp.com, a marketplace that connects businesses with pre-vetted freelancers in e-commerce, digital marketing, and much, much more. He has sold over $30 million in online and regularly appears on leading business podcasts around the world, like the Be Fulfilled Show. So I'm excited for today's guest, Nathan Hirsch, to join us. Tony, thanks so much for having me. I am excited, my friend. What I would love to do is ask you the first question out the gate. It'll kind of set the tone for how this show goes. So if you screw up, don't worry about it. Because here's what I've learned in my short journey is the more that I talk to successful entrepreneurs such as yourself, how close everybody's answer is to this question. What is your definition of success? (laughs) It's funny because my parents were both teachers. And when I grew up, I went to school at the town next to me because my dad taught there. And it was this town where all the parents were doctors, lawyers, dentists. And I wasn't poor by any means, but my parents were teachers. So I always wanted more. I wanted that luxurious lifestyle. So as I was growing up and being a young entrepreneur, I always thought it was money. And that's really how I define success. But a few years in, and I'm sure we'll talk about that story, just pushing products and making money was no longer success for me. It wasn't as fulfilling for me. And so for me, the definition of success is growing, but also growing with people around me, whether it's partners, it's clients, it's freelancers, it's my team, and all reaching the success of money, of freedom, of what all entrepreneurs want together. And to me, that is my definition. I love that. Yeah. Why don't we talk a little bit about your upbringing? I grew up with a parent who was a teacher. So I love the fact that we're going to talk a little bit about formal education and then what you got to do on your own when there wasn't anybody telling you to do this and you started learning and exploring. Talk to us just a little bit about how you grew up and some things that you loved about growing up. Yeah. So my parents were always very supportive. They wanted me to do well in school. They didn't want me to become homeless and live with them forever. They wanted me to be successful, but they didn't care how I went about doing it. They wanted me to try new things, see what I like doing. They always told me to work hard, play hard, whether I was with my friends to focus on them and have a great time. If I was on the baseball field or working out or, or in school or in this case, business. So that always really stuck with me. With that said, they had that standard process where get good grades in high school, get into a good college, go to college for four years, get maybe an internship, a job, work for 40 years and retire. That's what they knew. And that's really what they wanted me to do. And at a young age, I really rebelled against that. I didn't really, I didn't want to take science. I didn't want to take history. I wanted to focus on math and business and things that I enjoyed. So we definitely clashed a little bit, but at the end of the day, they've been incredibly supportive for everything that I've been doing. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have a younger sister and she is the total opposite of me. Not an entrepreneur. She's out there trying to save the world and do social good deeds. She's a teacher now. So she kind of followed that my parents' footprint. She does an after school program, but we couldn't be more different. Did you play sports growing up? Were you an athlete? I did. uh, Baseball, wrestling, and cross country. Life lessons learned from any of those sports that you've kind of a teacher, a coach, somebody said to you that kind of helped you in your early days, kind of becoming an entrepreneur? 
Sure. So if you think of the best person on the team, that was not me. But in terms of talent, in terms of natural ability, I was probably towards the bottom. But I was always in that 60 to 80% range because I tried harder than everyone else. And I think that's what I really learned. Hey, if I wanted to make varsity, there were people there that could roll out of bed and make the team. And there were people like me who had to spend those extra hours doing everything possible to perfect it. I kind of learned that lesson of, hey, if I want it, I have to work hard for it and I can achieve it. But that doesn't mean that you can achieve everything. No, I like that. Okay. So growing up, natural talent, maybe, but what you really had was mindset, some stuff early on. And then I love the painting of the picture too. Parents, teacher, sister followed that path. And then here's you. And you talked a little bit in the very beginning about, hey, we'll talk about that story today. So let's talk about it. After high school, were you off to college or were you instantly into doing something online digitally and kind of finding who you were and what you wanted to do? Yeah. So I was off to college. I went to Quinnipiac University. When I was in high school, I mentioned that I went to a town with all these rich kids and they would spend their summers hanging out. And I would spend my summers working 40 hours a week at different jobs and internships. So I learned so much from those places. I worked at uh, Aaron's, which is kind of like a rent center I worked at Firestone, which has a great customer service program. So I, I felt like I was ahead of the game going into college where people were going in trying to find themselves. I had gotten that sneak peek of what the real world was like after college. And to be honest, I didn't like it. I didn't like looking at the clock. I almost felt like I had this, I had four years to figure out how to start a business or else that was going to be my life for the next 40. So I was trying everything and I was a broke college kid and I started selling textbooks on the side because, you know, the school bookstore rips you off. You pay hundreds of dollars, you sell them back for pennies in the dollar. And I thought I could do it better. So I started advertising. I started spreading the word. I created a little referral program. And before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to sell me their books to the point where the school actually sent me a cease and desist letter to knock it off because I was taking up so much of the school bookstore's business. <laughs> that was my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur. Oh, I love that. I could imagine getting that cease and desist and they're like, hey, you know, uh, you're causing us to not make money. How did you handle that? Like, I'd love to know that because it kind of also is going to set the tone for this climb up success mountain today when faced with obstacles, how we kind of respond and what are our kind of knee jerk reactions. So I was always a rebel, even in high school. I think having my parents both teachers just made me want to rebel against it. I would always get good grades, but I would try to bend the rules as much as I possibly could. And I was always the kind of person that if I got detention or I got called down the office, I would be like, hey, I pull out the rule book. Like, show me where it says exactly what I did has this, whatever it is. And a lot of times I could talk my way out of it because I knew exactly what the rule was and how to get to that level. And that was really no different. I was trying to get out of them like, why can't I do this? Like, hey, where does it say I can't do this? At the same time, I also realized I was paying a lot of money to go to school. So it probably wasn't in my best interest to get kicked out or piss off the people that I'm paying the money to. So a little different than high school, but it worked out because they ended up agreeing not to let me do it on campus, but I ended up moving off campus the next year anyway. But books really led me to Amazon. And back then, this was 2008, 2009. You don't sell books for very long without learning about Amazon. But there were no gurus. There were no courses. People didn't know what being an Amazon seller was. And so I became addicted to it, obsessed with it. I just wanted to be a seller. I thought it was so cool. And everyone else thought I was trying to get into some scam. They didn't really understand it. And so I tried experimenting with really interesting products that I liked, sporting equipment, computers, DVDs, and I just failed. I couldn't get anything to sell. The only thing that I could sell was books. 
And I remember talking to my dad, just being really frustrated because I thought that I had found this way of creating a business because it's not like I had a warehouse when I was in school. I didn't have all this capital. I wanted to start an Amazon dropshipping business. And it wasn't until I ventured out of my comfort zone a little bit and found these discounted baby products that my business really took off. So as I'm listing these baby products, I remember I was in the back of class listing baby products and I have girls looking over my shoulder being like, what's this weirdo doing? And business just took off. So I'm this 20, 21 year old college kid. I sell a million dollars worth of baby products in the first year. That's when I really knew that I was onto something, even though no one knew or understood what I was doing. That's genius, right? So how did that kind of, tell me a little bit about that story. How did that kind of end or how did that help you to kind of get where we're going to be going today as we climb into free up and where you're at today and how you, in my opinion, everybody that I know who works with you knows you, all the interviews that I've seen about you, you got to be doing something right. So I want to talk about that as well. But how did you take this Amazon dream, this kind of thing that you were doing, explode it? You know, you talk about 30 million in online, right? That's a lot of money we're talking. First million in the first year. Like how did we kind of grow this thing and then what happened to that business? Sure. So for the first six months, it was all me. I was working 15 hours a day to go along with school. I'm a big fan of trial and error when it comes to business. I'll try anything. I don't dump 10 grand into something, but I'll invest time and small amounts of money into lots of different things, kind of read the market, read the feedback and invest more. And that's really what I did to figure out, hey, these products are selling. This is what's going well. And I remember meeting with an accountant because I was making money and it was probably time to start paying taxes. And he goes to me, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of shrugged him off. I was like, why would I do that? The money's going into my pocket. I love this. It's exciting. I can work seven days a week. Well, I didn't know about the fourth quarter. I didn't know about busy season. I was a rookie entrepreneur. So fourth quarter comes around and I have finals. I'm getting crushed with orders, crushed with customer service emails. I have moms that are angry because their kid didn't get their present in time. And somehow I make it out alive working 20 hours a week. I rushed the fraternity too. So I just had so much going on and I make it to January and I'm thinking, okay, I have to start hiring people. I learned that lesson. Let's not make that mistake again. The problem was I'm in college. I'm 21. Who am I going to hire? It's not like I'm going to hire some 35 year old with 10 years of e-commerce experience. I'm going to hire college kids. I'm going to hire the people around me. I was really limited. And I made some great hires, my business partner, Connor, who's worked with me even today, but I also proceeded to make bad hire after bad hire, people that weren't invested in the business, people who cared about school, they cared about having fun, whatever it was, they didn't care about me. And it wasn't until I discovered the remote hiring world, the Upworks and the Fivers, that I thought, hey, I can build an army of people. I could get access to talent from all over the world with different specialties to really help grow my business. And that's when my light bulb went off about the gig economy, so to speak, and how it's really taken off. That's really cool. All right, employees. I think that's a weird word, and I don't know how you feel, but this is why I want to talk about this today because I think it's kind of dynamic. So I run a company, I have two business partners, and I'll be walking down the hall and someone will go, hey, what's up, boss? And I just turn around and go, hey, what's up, employee? That just sounds weird, right? Don't you think? (laughs) So I uh, refer to people as team members. What do you refer to people that you work with? Yeah, so with my Amazon business, we did the same thing. It was team. I I actually correct people if they call me boss, even even on the free up marketplace where we have a thousand freelancers. If they're like, hey, boss, hey, CEO, or, or whatever it is, I'm just like, just call me Nate. Like We're all on the same side here. There's no reason for it. I mean, with my Amazon business, I actually opened up an office. I had 20 employees there. And yeah, we always tried to build that culture and team dynamic. One thing that I kind of realized was I was much better at dealing with 
remote teams than I was in person. A lot of the stuff that I thought was going to happen, like more productivity, less drama, stuff like that, was actually the opposite. There were more drama when you put people closer together. People are less productive at the water cooler and all that. But our whole focus is building that culture where not only does everyone feel like they're on the same page, but feedback and ideas are welcome. And really the only way to do that is where you don't have that hierarchy because some of the ideas that have made me the most money or cut the most costs have come from other people. And it's only because I created an environment where people felt comfortable enough to share them. Give me a couple ideas that you said that related to money, like, right? Some of the coolest ideas. Can you give me some stories? I'm always fascinated by the things that I've been able to do because I've been able to create that culture. And it sounds like that's some of like your pillars of success has been being able to create such a sense of culture where people feel they're open. They can come in. There's like a door policy. It's open. You just come in and sit down and break bread and talk to your team. Talk to me a little bit about some ideas that you've learned across time that have been super helpful and that have really worked well for you. Sure. So FreeUp has become kind of a software company now, but back then I didn't know the first thing about software. So when I'm going in and having people adjust prices, change listings, they're doing it all manually. I would hire a college kid for nine bucks an hour who would spend four hours going through our thousands of products every day and adjusting them by pennies or dollars. And it wasn't until someone came in and said, hey, there's this new software called AppEagle that you can pay a hundred bucks a month. You can set perimeters and they'll do it all for you. Boom. All of a sudden I can take that money that I was investing into inventory and I can focus that towards getting new suppliers, getting new products towards marketing. I mean, that's just one example. Even today on the freelancer side and the client side, we're always looking for new ideas and feedback. On FreeUp, we have this worker request form. Anytime you need a freelancer, you fill it out. In my mind, super easy. Why wouldn't anyone want to do it? But after talking to clients, some of them are too busy. Some of them didn't want to log in and do that. So what we did is we created an assistant who would reach out to clients. You could call him, you could Skype him, you can email him. He might have some questions for you, but he'll fill out the worker request for you so that you don't have to. And we found that tickets have just gone through the roof since we implemented that a month ago, all because we listened to our clients. Okay. We're getting somewhere. Climbing up Success Mountain. You run this e-commerce business. You create this amazing marketplace. You have this ability to really interact. I've watched you walk into rooms. I see how you you zone in and like zero in on people. Like you have such this really cool, like, yeah, what can I do? How can I serve you? How can I help you? Like that's such a cool mentality. Somewhere in your upbringing, besides your parents and coaches, did you see some people that you modeled after or maybe read some books that really helped you to kind of hone in on that skill? Because a lot of people go through life with blinders on. They don't see past where they're at. They don't know where they're going. They're kind of just like, I hope I make it. But some of these things are just really simple skills that you've been able to polish up and really make them work for you. Can you look back on your life and say, yeah, this moment, I remember this happened or I heard this conversation and this really instilled some ideas into me and beliefs that I've been able to follow through with? Yeah. The training that I went through at the Firestone Corporation was everything. It's the same principles I've applied with my Amazon business that I've applied with FreeUp. They are so customer service focused. And a lot of times you don't think of them as it because they do cars and everyone gets angry when you have to spend money on cars, but they know that. And they know that if they can stand out by giving in to whatever it is to make the client happy, and they kind of have the mentality that the customer is not always right, but it's in your best interest to make them happy and keep them coming back. So if you lose money short-term, you make it back long-term. They refer other people. It keeps your reputation intact. And I mean, they taught me everything from the anger the client gets, the nicer you get. It's something that I don't deal with too many angry clients, but I mean, not every client is rainbow and butterflies. You know, you got to kind of suck it up. 
to just kind of not going in with that sales mentality where you're just trying to bash them over the head. How much money can I get from you right now? You build that long-term relationship. You build trust. You tell them when they don't need something just as often as you tell them when they do. So many just tips that I've been able to apply that I still think of today when I'm on the phone with a client, I'm trying to problem solve. Hey, what's the best way to make them happy in this situation? I go back to that original training. What's a big challenge you have seen yourself overcome in your journey so far? Like one of the biggest aha moments that you've had to overcome. And then I want to know how you came through it. Sure. So this is about year 1.5. I'm hiring people. I had this brilliant idea to have one supplier because I was crushing with them. I was making so much money. I didn't want to spend time getting someone else because they would never be as good as my original supplier. After a series of bad hires, I finally found a good one. So I loaded him up with everything. He was doing orders, customer service, listing. I called him my manager of the day. And I spent six months training this person. I put everything I had into it. So I finally have someone where I can sleep better at night. I know he's got the business under control. And I schedule my first vacation in probably a year. We go to Myrtle Beach with my friends and I. And on the first day of the first trip, I get a phone call from the supplier saying they no longer want to do business with us followed by another phone call an hour later from the manager of the day saying that his parents wanted him to focus on school and he could no longer work with us. Lesson about hiring college kids. And then just to top it off, I get a call from my accountant telling me someone had filed a tax return for $40,000 in my name, stolen my identity, and I was going to have to deal with that mess when I got home. So I went from this unbelievable high of this 21-year-old making more money than I ever should have to this bottom low of everything I just worked for for the past year and a half, I was going to have to start over. And I was pretty devastated. I I also looked at the clock and I'm like, wow, I graduate in a year and a half, two years. Maybe this is it. Maybe I messed up and now I have to go out and get a real job. All right. Three big things. So how do we solve those three things? What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and Nathan Hirsch is going to come back and we're going to talk about kind of these big opportunities in the moment of adversity. How do you overcome, you know, being on your first vacation in a while? You've got to finish school soon. You've got somebody who's your supplier, like, I'm not going to work with you anymore. Then you've got the manager of the day call you up and say, hey, you know, I think I'm going to focus on this thing. My parents are asking me, I'm going to go back, maybe do something else. And then you have this $40,000 tax filing from somebody else being you and all of this other fun stuff. We're going to find that and so much more as we keep climbing down when we return with Nathan Hirsch right here on Be Fulfilled. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. We are back on Be Fulfilled. Today's guest, Nathan Hirsch, joins us, CEO, freeup.com. We're going to talk a lot about that on the way down Success Mountain today. Top of Success Mountain right here. Thinking at 21, man, making more money than I've ever made. Life is so good. Going to take a little vacation. Going to go relax. Myrtle Beach. Everything's good. Friends, family. Oh, guess what? Everything isn't good. And so when we went to break, he was talking about somebody filed a tax paper document and $40,000, not Nathan's, talks about manager of the day saying, hey, maybe what I was doing, helping you to go on vacation is not really for me. I think I'm going to leave. And he had all these series of kind of things going on. And in this process, he's like, now a supplier is mad. I can't ever go on a vacation and maybe I need to go get a real job. So as we went to break, that's what we were learning about and we're back. So catch me up. How do we solve all these amazing things that 21 seem like three big giant boulders are just coming down on me? 
Yeah. So a lot of my problem solving skills, I learned from my dad, just the ability to sit back, you gather all the information, you come up with a plan or different plans, you talk it out with whoever you're working with, you decide on what to do, what resources you have to put into the plan, divide up the resources. And then lastly, once you've executed it, you put steps in place so that doesn't happen again. So I really took that mentality into it. I came back from that ruined vacation and I met with my business partner, Connor. We said, hey, we have X amount of money in the bank. The manager that I quit, we still have these lower level employees that we can direct them to do whatever we want. This will buy us X amount of time. Let's figure out what did we learn from this situation and how are we going to go forward before we run out of money? So what we learned is investing a lot of money into college students, probably not the best idea. And we really need to diversify our hiring. Let's get one person for orders, one person for listing, one person for customer service and have them own it, but also set up the training in a way where if they ever do quit and it wouldn't be the last person that quit on me, it doesn't take six months to replace them. It takes one to three weeks. On the supplier side, let's constantly be reaching out to new suppliers. Let's get as many suppliers as we can, even if we don't need them, just so if they do drop us, we still have other revenue streams. And that was really what we did. We took these people, we came up with sales pitches, we started reaching out to different suppliers, we started doing research, we started training different people at very departmentalized, very short trainings, creating training docs, and we invested all that money. We doubled down. We could have kind of walked away with this sum of cash. We put it into the business, and within six months, not only were we the same size as we were before, but we were way more protected. We were way more diverse. Now, the people, a person stealing my identity is still something I deal with today. We have a whole process for it. I have secret PIN numbers and all that, but that was a whole process my accountant walked me through, not the end of the world. But yeah, I mean, that's really how I recovered, just going through that problem solving. What resources do we have? What options do we have? What's the plan? And how can we put steps in place to prevent it from happening again? And I know that you wrote a book too, right? Free Up Your Business. Thanks for sharing some of those little lessons that became some value systems that you have today, right? Like making sure you know your avatar and who the person is that you want to hire and how you can have people really kind of own their department or their job or their role or their title. So it's not like that person when you're on the beach, yeah, I think I'm going to leave. Like, you know that you've got the right people in front of you doing work. You know, when I bring on a new team member, especially in like in the sales department and we're working together, I look them eyeball to eyeball and say, hey, so what I'm asking for is can I work on a two-year commitment? And I'm going to dedicate the next two years of my life to pouring in tons of love, support, growth. I'm going to share everything. I'm, going to, I'm literally going to work with you day in and day out so that one day when you're ready, you'll have enough skill to go do whatever it is that you want. Maybe open your own business and have enough resources to know how to do it. That's what I want to be able to dedicate to you. But that's my time, my money, and my energy. Can we work together on achieving that same goal so that you're coming and giving me what I'm basically helping to give you, which is collaboration? right? Have you ever found that kind of buy-in before? How do you kind of help somebody see really like the position, the role, the opportunity, and really have their buy-in be so solid, like we're never leaving, right? And even though they're you know, 1099 or however you work with your team, they're still freelancers, right? And you're helping them to not start a project and bail on you during the moment. What kind of things do you kind of implement to make that happen? Sure. So one of the best things that I did Back when I was having 50% turnover, I opened up an office, people were walking through the door. I had the same person quit for three people in a row for the same position quit on me. And I finally took the last person aside 
And I asked him if he would do an exit interview with me. And there's only one type of exit interview, and that's a really uncomfortable one. We both had across the table. He doesn't like me. I'm pretty pissed off at him for wasting my time. And I just asked him for feedback. I asked him, why did you leave? What could I have done better in the hiring process? What's our culture like? And he hit me hard to the gut. Everything about me as a manager, as a leader, to my hiring process, to Hmm. what the culture was like, why people were leaving, what people were talking about behind my back. But I should have written that guy a check right there because the information that I got from that feedback helped me turn everything around from interviewing people, not just for skill, but for their attitude and for their communication as well, to what you talked about, setting expectations up front so we're on the same page, giving people a chance to back out once they realize what those expectations are before you invest a lot of time into money in them into focusing more energy on the culture and and making an environment where people wanted to be there, where they were motivated for the company. And also just how I talk to people. I can be a very direct to the point person. And while that works for some people, it doesn't work for others. And I had to open up the way that I did business. So I take that even today to the point where we have a 95% plus retention rate across the whole marketplace. This is thousands of freelancers or a thousand freelancers and my internal team as well. And it's all because I use those same principles. Yeah. You know, Nathan, I'm just like one of those guys who sits back and goes, man, this guy's just doing all the right things. Like, this is what I want to hear if I'm going to go into business with somebody. If I'm going to go to your marketplace and try to work with somebody, I figure all these people got to have certain values. They've got to be doing something right because it's coming through in all of the ways that you're discussing and sharing today. And I just want to commend you for that because I know it's not easy when you start trying to say, okay, I take this idea, this dream, this goal, I'm going to go put it out. And it's not always, you know, peaches and cream or little rainbows and unicorns. There's a lot of things that happen on some really weird days where you're like, am I really doing this? Is this really what I want? And everything's kind of since the beginning has just told me, man, you're like, right there, hitting it out of the park. You're having fun. You're smiling. You're laughing. It sounds like you've got really a good core of support around you. Tell me a couple things about how you help to center yourself, to walk into the office, to lead as a CEO. Is it health? Is it journaling? Is it you know taking some time to go work out? Give me some things about your kind of routine in your day-to-day. So one thing I did when I first moved down to Florida, I hired a personal trainer and I worked out with him five days a week, one hour intense training for two years without missing very many days at all. And it gave me an ability to get away from my computer, get away from my phone and be able to focus on something else as hard as I focus on work. And even though that trainer moved away and I continue to work out, that becomes my time for that one hour at 4.45 every day. I go to the gym and just crush it for an hour. All my stress, everything that went right or wrong during the day, I just get to take it out of the gym and And that's really been my release when it comes to getting away from business. All right. So what I'd like to do with you, so I'm going to learn a little bit more about you during this, what I call the fulfillment round. I'm going to pinch you into the fulfillment round. But before I kind of do that, I just want to preface this so you understand. This isn't phone a friend. This isn't who wants to be a millionaire. There's no money to win. There's nothing that you can say that's right or wrong. It's just your opinion. And if you don't know the answer, please just make it up. Try to just get some really good storytelling going from your learning abilities of hiring a trainer. Then he leaves. I won't leave you during this process. I'll be with you till we get to the very, very end. These have, like I said, no value, but they're fun. It's a way for the audience to get to know you. First question, if you are ready, you ready for the fulfillment round? Let's do it. Favorite thing to do when you're not doing anything work-related? Watch baseball. I mean, I'm for whatever reason, I just love the game within the game within the game. And it's all strategy. I like the business behind it. And it, it has nothing to do with free up or anything that I'm doing, but I'm just fascinated by it. Favorite baseball team? 
I'm a big Yankee fan. My family's from New York originally. All right. So growing up, right, you could call on the judge today. You could really go and get Jeter. You could get Rodriguez. You could get Ricky Henderson. You could go back and say, you know, I've got uh, Yogi. I've got Mantle. i got Maris. Favorite Yankee that you either learned about growing up or you loved watching growing up? I'm a big Jeter fan, but I shook Rivera's hand once, which was pretty cool. But growing up when I was a little kid, I always had a batting stance just like Jeter. And were you the kid that would love to get to the park early to try to get some autographs? <laughs> Not really, but only because I wasn't driving myself to the park. My dad always, my dad shows up on time for everything. So if the game was at 7.05, we were showing up at 7.05. I think that's so cool. Did you collect baseball cards or anything like I that? I did. I have a really big uh, baseball cards collection that's still at my parents' house up north. Well, I hope yours is worth something because I grew up in the 70s and I started collecting in the 80s and those things are like coasters on a table, worthless these days. They're cool to look at. If you were to go to the movies and uh, are you married by any chance? I live with my girlfriend. All right. So you and your girlfriend going out tonight, going to go to a movie. Doesn't matter what night it is. You're going out and what kind of movie would you find yourself in? An action movie, a Western movie, science fiction movie? What kind of movie just kind of helps you to relax and kind of laugh? (laughs) Uh, It's funny you ask that. We actually went to the movies last night. We saw A Quiet Place, which is a pretty scary movie, which is really outside of our element completely. I'm not a big scary movie fan, but we like the actor from The Office so we saw it. I would say more more standard would be some kind of mystery, something with a twist at the end. We like that twist. Are you a music fan? You like any particular like genre of music? It's so weird. For some reason, music just doesn't resonate with me as it does with other people. It's kind of a weird quirk about me. I still listen to it. My girlfriend has it on all the time, but I've never just been the kind of guy who just collects records or CDs or downloads music. I just have it on the background on the radio. So is it more like just kind of white noise, would you see? Would you say it's just like white noise? It is. It's really weird. I, I've tried to kind of like change that or get into it, but for some reason, it just doesn't stick with me. Oh, that's cool. So you said Myrtle Beach when you were 21 years old. When's the last time you've been down to uh, Myrtle I've Beach? I've never gone to Myrtle Beach again, and I probably never will. <laughs> really? Wow. That's interesting. All right. So if you and your girlfriend were going to take off and leave your current destination and go somewhere else, right, where would you go? Where would be like something on your bucket list or as my a friend of mine says, he replaced the B with an F and you can spell it out yourself. It's that kind of list. Where would that be? Yeah. So it's funny. I came from up North. I lived in Massachusetts, Connecticut. So both of us don't like the cold. So we kind of moved down to Florida to get warm. But if you live in Florida, traveling to other warm places isn't as cool. <laughs> so, I mean, getting out of the element a little bit, like going to California, which is a different kind of heat even if it's going to Maine or Vermont, like a wedding just for a week, New York City. I mean, I personally just love being in New York City for for small periods of time. Those are probably the most ideal places. I meant to ask this during the baseball question. If I flip this script really, really quick, would you have grown up watching the New York Mets? So I lived in Red Sox country. I grew up in Massachusetts. So I was a Yankee fan amongst Red Sox fans. So you can only imagine how well that was like. Yeah. I grew up so that I liked the Red Sox and I loved the New York Mets growing up. I always liked the Yankees because I liked their kind of uniforms and kind of like the look at their history. It was so rich. The one of the winningest franchises in all of sports. You like always liked it. But then Steinbrenner, like I learned a lot about kind of business and life, just watching how he kind of treated people and all the people that went to work. Yeah, right. You (laughs) learned a lot of what not to do. When you think about you and your girlfriend, 
and spending time together. And I ask a lot of relationship questions because I think it, it leans me to understand a little bit more about today. I think everything showed up just the way that I needed it to. And that was that I talked to somebody who is evolving. I asked you the question in the very beginning, kind of growing, like this whole thing. You're not where you want to be, but you're enjoying the journey of doing what you're doing. When you look back kind of at your life now, until kind of your beginning of your career, even growing up through sports, parents, sister, you know, all in education. Were there some specific moments in your life, like maybe a grandfather or grandma or somebody that just loved on you and just made you smile and just made you remember, like, that's what life's all about to slow down and enjoy those moments? Yeah, I mean, my grandparents, they were, or their parents were immigrants from Italy. And when they got here, they worked really hard. They worked for 40 years. They raised three daughters, one of which is my mom. They put everything they had. They invested in stock. They kind of took advantage of every little opportunity they could to provide better opportunity for their family and future family. So for me, whenever I was hanging around my grandparents when I was little, I always was just reminded that they really came from nothing. Everything that I thought that I was putting up with, whether it was being around other wealthy kids and I wasn't as wealthy or maybe not getting what I wanted or having to work harder than everyone else at sports. In perspective, I just knew that I could overcome it because it almost felt like it was in my blood. And just being able to show my grandfather who died probably three years maybe after I graduated, but he got to see the whole ride of me having a job and going over there after working eight hour days and being miserable to starting this little book business to running a million dollar Amazon business, which he didn't really understand, but he was really proud of it. That was really cool because he really came from nothing and he never had that opportunity. And I think he saw that I I took the most of the opportunities that were in front of me. Man, I love it, Nathan. I appreciate you just coming on and sharing today. I asked the question in the beginning. I just mentioned it a minute ago. What is your definition of success? Anything changed during this process or would you say it's still around growing and growth? Yeah. So this is kind of what happened, kind of tying into free up. So once we sold Amazon products for a while, keep in mind, I wasn't selling my own products. So I wasn't that passionate about the products I was selling. I was making a margin for everything and we were growing. And obviously Amazon became more competitive. We thought we were going to build a hundred million dollar company. We got it to a very stable point, but lots of competition, lots of new people out there. We didn't see the long-term potential. And to be honest, the business wasn't fun anymore. It was just, it almost turned into a job. But what I noticed is I love being around people. I like helping people. I had freelancers that we were helping provide for their family. I love talking to other Amazon sellers and sharing advice and helping them. So with FreeUp, what we've been able to build over the past three years, I mean, we paid out over $3 million to freelancers around the world last year. And when I went to the Philippines and about 40% of our freelancers are from the Philippines, people were showing me their cars, their houses, stuff they bought with this money. When I go to conferences, I've clients coming up being like, wow, you helped me scale this business. Like I was a nervous wreck. I was working 80 hours a week before I got free up. Like to me, that's way more rewarding than, oh, I look at the board and I sold an extra hundred units. You know what I mean? Well, you know, the interesting part is, so like your language is everything, right? So you've got like how what you do matters, the marketplace you've created, the ability for free up to become a movement where people are not like, it's not just about the person you're helping. It's about levels deeper than that. It's about how it's an ecosystem and everybody's benefiting from this kind of idea of launching a marketplace. So you have well over a thousand people as freelancers. What's the term you like to use for them? Yeah, freelancers. So you have a thousand people in this kind of community. 
how does somebody who's like interested in learning more is how to spell free up for you? Cause I know that it's uh, got an extra letter or character in it. Like, how does that work? So I want people to drive there. I want people to figure it out. But if you had to go at the, towards the end of this and say like just some immediate benefits of how you could take somebody who's stuck here and get them unstuck with somebody as a freelancer. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. There's no shortage of VA services, freelancer marketplaces. There's really big ones, the Upworks, the Fivers. But as a business owner, I just wanted a faster way to get access to talent. I didn't want to browse hundreds of applicants to find someone for a five-hour project. So that's what I built, a place where we get hundreds of applicants. We take the top 1%, we let them in. You get access to them rapid fire. I'm available. My calendar is right on the website. You can contact me at any time. We have assistants that monitor my Skypes and emails 24-7. So you have 24-7 support if you have even the smallest issue and a no turnover guarantee where we cover all replacement costs if, God forbid, anyone quits, which rarely happens. But all of that comes down to customer service and being available. So if you're out there listening and you want to talk to me about your business, my calendar is right at the top of free up with three E's. You can create a free account. There's no minimums, no sign-up fee, no monthly fee. You can stop using us at any time. It's in our best interest to get you people to actually help you scale your business and free up your time. Yeah, it's top talent available across 50 plus skill sets too. So like when you're thinking about like, oh, what can I use them for? Just go check out free up with three E's and look at just this immense amount of opportunity, web development, digital marketing, e-commerce, business operations. I mean, you name it, you can probably find somebody to help get that project finished or put that person to really like team up with them and have them take a lot of what I call like the drainers of life that are not allowing me to do the drivers in my business, in my life, the things that I love to do the most. So Nathan, thank you for coming on today and just sharing and just being open and talking a little bit about the journey. And we went up Success Mountain. We learned a lot about some of the things that you had to overcome and how you were able to, I think, really take kind of lessons of life, twist it and actually really find your voice, your path. Because, you know, obviously there was this, hey, you should go do this. And you're like, well, I like math and business. And now you're crunching numbers, making money. You're showing people how to do it. You're giving people the tools, resources to help people live out their dreams. And to do it, like you said, in the very beginning, freedom. To allow people the ability to have freedom, the flexibility to kind of create their vision and then have people support them in their vision. And that's what I think you were able to do today. Last piece of advice I would love to find out from you is some quote, some memorable moment that you heard something that goes, yeah, that one quote, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. And it led to this and how you've been able to kind of use that for the rest of your life. Do you got a good quote that you can leave us with today? Yeah. So normally I would say work hard, play hard, but since we already talked about it, basically just take the most of every opportunity. Like you never know what opportunities are going to come up and you just have to grab it. I mean, there's been so many times where I've spent months trying to get on the phone with an influencer and, and they want to meet with me at the most unopportune time. I have other plans, I whatever it is. And you just kind of, you suck it up and you just take the most of that opportunity. And I can contribute so much success of you think you're just in the right place in the right time, but it's like, no, I spent six months trying to get on the phone with this person. And yes, whenever they were available, I made time for it. And that's just one of many examples, just trying to figure out every little thing that you can do to achieve success and, and always just working harder and harder to achieve that, even if you don't get that success right from the beginning. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Nathan Hirsch. You can check out free up with three ease.com. You can learn more about all Nathan's been doing. Like you said, you can schedule time on his calendar to even learn more as well. And I just want to say thank you. It was an honor. Appreciate you being a guest, giving me some of your time today and sharing with our community, just really the impact that you've made and how you're continuously showing up to impact the world to come. So thank you for being a guest. And ladies and gentlemen, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, remember, Just remember this one thing, if you do nothing more today, to make today the best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at trainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. Forever.